You're listening to episode 63 of Chirps, a St. Louis Cardinals podcast for birds on the black. He's Alex, I'm Tara, and the Red Sox traded Mookie Betts, but will the bright lights of LA be enough to make him a superstar? Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. Thanks for joining us this week. I am Tara and he is Alex and we are finally back together. Alex, it's been a little bit. I would ask how you are just for some small talk, but if I did that, I think we would probably miss whatever the next breaking news is in this massive Red Sox trade that is happening as we record this. So instead of giving live game updates, we're we're probably going to keep checking in on this trade as we go on throughout the show, because uh, this is kind of wild. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you how I am. I am currently staring, making sure there's blue check marks next to names, uh, <laughs> trying to visualize how I would feel if the Cardinals had what traded Pujols after what 2005. I guess that would be the a comp here to what uh, Boston just did with Betts, um, which, you know what, the Cardinals probably would have done that had they not, you know, inked them to that contract before the 4 season, that discount deal. So luckily, they found a way to spare us from, from what Boston's going through right now. Yeah, I mean, we all know and we all talk about how baseball is a business, but man, when you're a team just a a season removed from a world series championship and you have all that talent that the Red Sox brought in in order to win that championship. Let's be honest. That was, that's why you bring all of that talent in. But Mookie Betts is one of those rising stars. Who's already actually a star. People just don't really know it yet. (laughs) And to, you know, walk away from that, uh, man, I I guess on the one hand, yeah, it was going to cost, a lot of money to sign him to any sort of extension, but it's got to, got to feel real rough as a Red Sox fan to see him leave for a team like the Dodgers who have been just that close to a world series title so many times. I mean, there are two, two conversations to have here, right? Red Sox fans seeing this happen and Dodgers fans seeing this happen and thinking, okay, maybe this actually is the year now. Well, I'm glad we only play the Dodgers six times or seven, <laughs> seven times a year, however many times it'll be uh, this this coming year. Uh, as for the Red Sox, yeah, you know, there were those rumors he wanted Mike Trout type money, uh, like $400 million or, or whatever it was. I don't know if that's true. I do know the Red Sox could have even afforded to overpay him um, to that extent. And I know there's stuff like, you know, luxury tax and all that stuff, but it, like the Red Sox are loaded. They're, they, they're fine. Everyone knows that. Th- this is just, this is just crazy to me. I mean, we're talking about a guy who is entering his, what, age 27 season. We're, we're not talking about a 30 year old. We're talking about a guy yeah. who is entering his age 27 season. Um, you know, he had the ridiculous season in 2018 when he won the MVP and the Red Sox won the World Series. And, you know, some people could kind of point to that and say, like, well, that's that's Bryce Harper's 2015 season. And he's and, you know, he's a very good player, but he's he's not quite that player. Uh, that might be true. I don't know. But I, I don't want to. Uh, I don't know. Like. 
he's still a very, very good player. Even if we're saying he's not like a, you know, 175 WRC plus player, he's still like a perpetual guy, like around 130, 140. He's a great, great player. Uh, If I was a Red Sox fan, I would be absolutely just infuriated. And I've been to Fenway once. It's very expensive to go to a game at Fenway. Very (laughs) expensive. Luckily, someone gave me the tickets, uh, so I didn't have to pay. But before I was given the tickets, I was actually looking to see how much it would cost to go to a game. And I was just flabbergasted by how expensive tickets are. So, you know, if I'm I'm a Red Sox fan and I live in Boston, I am not going to as many games as I normally would. I I know that's putting it very simply, but I don't know how else to say it. Like, I don't want to say like I'm boycotting, but I am. There's got to be some sort of mini revolt or something. Yeah, it's a weird situation to be in as a fan base for sure and like i said on the flip side man if you already have a lineup centered around you know cody bellinger and you add mookie bets to it and you have the rest of what the dodgers have on their pitching staff and and the way that they've built that team and as close as they've come the last few years i wonder how much we've been here before there is with Dodgers fans thinking, yeah, okay, this is cool. And on paper, it looks great. But we've thought that for the last however many years consecutively that this was this was their year. This was their time to win uh, a World Series title. You figure it has to happen eventually. Mm-hmm. But at this point, they're going to have Mookie Betts and David Price coming, like I said, just a couple of years removed from winning it all. So a little bit of extra motivation there, perhaps knowing that they were just there and they can share a little bit of that excitement and some of that experience with with the Dodgers. And uh, yeah, it's got to be super exciting as Dodgers fans. It's the the deal is still developing to say the least every time I refresh Twitter there's someone else involved or some other team involved at this point Mookie Betts and David Price to the Dodgers looks like uh, Alex Verdugo to the Red Sox we don't really know what else the twins are now involved and uh, there's a a swap of pitching there I I can't even keep track of all the names that are involved at this point and then somehow Jock Peterson is apparently going to the Angels in what may or may not be a a related but not um, included part of this same deal so it's developing so quickly that it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to um, comment on the rest of the trade, I don't think, but just to say, ooh, this is, it's going to be interesting to see how it all pans out because this offseason has been fascinating from a movement perspective, uh, you know, as long as you're not the Cardinals. Uh, I, say, I, I couldn't teams. help but notice you didn't bring up the Cardinals there when you, when you were mentioning not. all those other teams. I did not. Somehow, they st- there's, a, there's a trade happening that's involving like, at least four teams and the Cardinals still found a way to not be involved in it. So, you know, (laughs) we'll see how that works out for all the teams involved at this point. If a team like, honestly, at this point, if the Reds suddenly showed up in this deal somewhere, I wouldn't be surprised because they're the only NL central team that seems to be trying. (laughs) So, I don't know. We'll we'll see. We'll keep you updated if we can on how all these pieces fall out as we go along. I'm I'm looking at the Dodgers lineup right now. 
And I'm actually looking at their lineup from last year, Fangraphs' Dodger page from 2019. This is a stacked lineup. <laughs> I know yeah. some of these guys are gone now, but oh my goodness. You know how we often have looked at the Cardinals' uh, uh, 2019 lineup and like, where is the offense? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, like Marcelo Zuna was, I, I think by WRC plus for qualified hitters are basically our best hitter. He would be buried on this team. Yeah. Uh, it's crazy. Also, did you know David freeze had a really good season for the Dodgers last year? I mean, in limited, in limited action, mind you, I mean, only we're talking fewer than 200 plate appearances. Uh, let's see 186, but he hit, he hit 315, 403, 599. I had no idea. I, I mean, I knew, <laughs> and you I knew imagine he had a year, that's like that's like a meh year for the Dodgers lineup, and you throw those numbers into the Cardinals mix, and you're like, wow, all right, we got some offense happening. That's where the comparison uh, comes in and, and kind of smacks you in the face with what the Cardinals have not done this offseason. So, are, are the Dodgers just going to win the NL West in perpetuity? Um, because yeah. if they are, and I would circle back to your point you made earlier, which is kind of never confuse, haven't won it, can't win the big one with just haven't won it yet. You know, like yeah. if, if they're going to keep winning NLS titles, which it looks like they are, and not because the division's bad, uh, although that, I don't know, that could be part of it, but mostly because they are very good. Um, that this is a team that would compete in any division of baseball. Uh, they're eventually going to win a World Series. I would have to think so. And if they don't, they're at least giving their fans something to cheer for for, you know, the duration of a long season. So good on the Dodgers. And I mean, there's that argument to be made as well that, yes, obviously they're making moves with the intent of winning a World Series, but they're also way more than just competitive every year. They're incredible in recent history and there's something to be said about that kind of success too right i mean sure you can sort of backtrack and and talk about how they're in such a large market and they can spend so much money and they don't have any uh you know inhibitions about doing that and about trading off pieces and making the big move they seem to be the antithesis of the cardinals in every respect as far as that's concerned so yes there are conversations to be had there but much like we look at the cardinals in the last you know decade or so there's a lot of success to talk about with the dodgers and and that shouldn't go unnoticed because they haven't won a world series this is and i i know you've talked about it you've written about it the dodgers are one of the most successful teams in recent history and you know they should get credit for that yeah, uh, absolutely. They uh, they are what every team should strive to be, in my opinion. Uh, especially teams like the Cardinals, the Cubs, Red Sox, uh, teams that operate with a uh, very flexible budget. I think would be a, a way to put it. Uh, they, I, I guess, since when did this begin? Two thousand thirteen, and they just haven't looked back. So, yeah. Yeah. Good on the Dodgers. I, I know uh, you and I got into a discussion yesterday on Twitter about, you know, what's wrong with baseball? Um, not necessarily what's wrong with baseball, but do they have a branding problem or, you know, is there a disconnect with fans? Uh, we, we disagree on on a lot of this, but, and I'm guessing here, we haven't discussed this yet, but I think one area where we might agree is one problem baseball has with fans is this right here. Like the, a team like the Red Sox dumping 
who I'm guessing, you know, I don't, uh, it's not that I have my uh, finger on the pulse of Red Sox nation or whatever you want to call it, but I'm guessing the most popular player with the Red Sox and dumping him before his age 27 season because they want to get something rather than have to see him walk because they don't want to pay him a year from now. I mean, to me, that more than anything is, is something that's going to, is something that hurts baseball and is going to really hurt baseball when it eventually leads to some sort of, uh, you know, labor dispute and work stoppage. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. I want to, two things, sort of clarify what my point was yesterday in this conversation. Um, So then we're talking about the same thing. And then also uh, circle back to what you just said about that being one of the biggest problems for baseball. I was just curious in watching, for example, the Super Bowl commercials, right? There's such a sports audience with its attention on that moment. And for baseball as an organization, as a business, to spend so much time talking about how their audience is shrinking, it seemed like a pretty great opportunity to throw in a 15-second coming soon (laughs) hype video, hype promo, whatever you want to call it, to remind people that baseball is coming up. Yes, there's a bit of a disconnect in in the timing as far as most people don't care that spring training starts in a couple of weeks. They just want to know when the regular season starts. So it's not a it's not a perfect scenario and I understand that. I just think from a storytelling, from a marketing, from a hey, we want eyeballs on our product perspective, there are things that Major League Baseball could do better that other sports have kind of figured out. And that's why I want to come back to what you said about how these trades, particularly with young superstars in the very prime of their career, are bad for baseball. I thought about this while you were saying it, so I don't really have my own opinion really fleshed out yet, but I want to ask you. Well, I'm sorry, I just want to clarify real quick. I don't necessarily think it's bad for baseball I mean, because, as we see right now, we're all talking about it, and, yeah. and this is yeah. going to get baseball in the news during a time when, you know, sports like NBA and NHL on full swing. What I think it's bad for is cultivating fandom fans um, who might be fans of like young, young fans of Mookie Betts of which I'm sure there are tons in Boston. Uh, I don't necessarily think it's bad for baseball. I think it's basically what I just said. I'm repeating myself. It's bad down the road. It's, it's turning off fans when um, you know what, well, one thing uh, that's always been remarkable to me about the English Premier League, and I know nothing about soccer. Let me get that out of the way right now. But, you know, <laughs> that old Seinfeld joke about how they just, like, cheer for the laundry, um, you know, you're not necessarily the yep. players. Mm-hmm. There's no sport where that's more true than uh, professional soccer, especially English Premier League. I mean, guys are constantly leaving. There's you don't You don't care about the players. You care about the team. Whereas in... Professional sports here, even though, you know, it was obviously an American, Jerry Seinfeld, who made that joke, that's not quite true. Like, we care about the players um, almost as much as the team sometimes. And it means something to fandom to have certain players like that to latch on to. And I think it hurts. I think it's going to hurt the sport in the long run, especially with younger fans, with these types of when the when this types of thing happens when you can't 
when you see like a once in a generation type player and you can't assume he's going to be on your team, um, you know, past five years, even if you root for a team like the Red Sox, who just have, who just have like an enormous wallet. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's an interesting conversation. Um, and I, I think where I was headed still kind of makes sense, but I, I want to, um, ask you this mm-hmm. because, when we're talking about how baseball, like for me, I'm talking about how baseball markets itself right, right. compared to other sports, right? But in other sports, you see superstars traded all the time. I'm just wondering if that same concept, like, is it different in baseball because baseball's a different beast? And it is like, I don't think we should try to make baseball be the NBA or be the NFL. But is there a different sense of, attachment to players for your team in baseball than in say the NBA, because LeBron's the biggest star in the NBA right now. And how many teams has he played for? So I just don't, I'm curious because I hadn't really thought about it in that light before. If there is a difference with how baseball fans attach themselves to a player and their team than other sports. No. And that's true. Here's what I'll say to that. Um, one, LeBron's never been traded. Uh, right. So there is a slight sure. distinction um, only sure. because when you trade a player like Betts versus um, when, when he leaves in free agency, usually you're more angry at your team with the former. Um, now, that's not always the case, especially if like, you don't think your team ponied up enough money to try and keep a guy there. But to trade a guy like Mookie Betts, Again, I think that's going to ha- that's going to result in a lot of fans just being furious at their team. And you know, we see it all the time on Twitter, Tara, and I don't know if it's a crazy bubble, but it seems like every fan base right now really hates their team. <laughs> when I say hates their team, I mean hates <laughs> yeah. hates their management, hates ownership. And that can't be that good for the sport. <laughs> um, and you know, when we talk about a player like Mookie Betts, uh to to try to find a comparison to the NBA, I mean, what Steph Curry, uh, you know, Durant. I mean, I can't think of the last time someone traded, uh, traded a player like that. I guess Russell Westbrook might be a decent example. But I would almost disagree in that. I, I don't know if we see that often players of this caliber, um, tier one players get traded all that often. You, sure. you are right, though, especially in the NBA. There is a lot of player movement um, that's taken the NBA by storm, I would say, in the last 10 years. Um, that that I think we're still unsure of what the uh, what what effect that'll have on fandom, if anything. Um, it might not have any. It might not have any effect. It would certainly. Um, I don't know. It, it would certainly affect me. I think as a fan, um, when I was younger, at least. Uh, but I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I, it, there's there's another element to that that I think ties into this, which kind of goes back to the whole marketing thing and and how a sport as an entity markets its players or how players market themselves. And one thing that the NBA has done is kind of encourage its players to create their own brand or whatever. And I don't know if it's just a reactionary um, encouragement because players were already doing it, or if it's sort of the nature of the NBA and it's, involvement kind of in pop culture that's a little bit different than the major league baseball but one thing that i think is related to this is that like lebron's a superstar no matter who he plays for Uh so i think the initial move right the initial changing of teams um 
may have been more of what we're talking about with Mookie Betts. And again, it's different because it's not a trade. It's a free agent signing, whatever. That's there. That's a very fair point to make. Um, but then, you know, these NBA stars kind of build their own brand and then they recreate a fan base wherever they go, which I think you see in, in any sports environment, right? Dodgers fans are going to buy Mookie Betts jerseys and all of a sudden they're going to be a whole new fan base for the player. But there might be, I feel like there's this different sense of how players are sort of promoted or represented or marketed or how their stories are told in Major League Baseball than in, say, the NBA. I keep using the NBA as an example because I think they're really good at it. Uh (laughs) Um, And they've done a great job of making players pop culture references and inserting them into just normal television commercials that have nothing to do with the NBA. They just put a face to a name. And I think that's actually been really good for the NBA. I was reading an article today about Christian Yelich and the fact that he actually went to the major league baseball offices, talked with the marketing team to kind of try to figure out what they could do to mirror that or to at least get closer to it. And he made an interesting point that I think it is worth bringing up because I know I harp on this a lot from the marketing perspective. And I think that just as a business, you would want to be better at that than, than major league baseball teams or players are. But Yelich made a point that, a lot of players don't want to do what they would have to do to create that brand for themselves. They don't want to spend six hours at a photo shoot. They don't want to go do a commercial shoot. They'd rather just, you know, go golfing on their day off or whatever it is. And baseball is a little bit unique in that way because they play every day. So to take your off day and go do more work, I can understand why that would be a bit of a disconnect. But Yelich's point was, Major League Baseball needs superstars like the NBA and the NFL have superstars, but the players have to want to create that for themselves. Yeah, I, I agree with a couple a couple points there. And I want to return to the fact that they play every day because that's going to um, lead into a, another point I want to make. But I, I sort of disagree with not the whole premise, um, but just... I mean, you can. It's okay. <laughs> well, well, I, I don't because it, the NBA. Here's here's where I think the NBA is way better than baseball. Um, and you know, I, I think part of it is I, I just am not as interested in the branding and um, marketing. Although I, t- I totally understand why people are, but where the NBA is really good and where baseball is very bad is I once watched the 1993 Game Five Eastern Conference Finals game between the Bulls and Knicks. Uh, the whole game in 10 minute increments on YouTube. Uh, <laughs> this was just like a couple of years ago. Uh, you can find anything you want to basically from the NBA on YouTube. Yeah. I remember one time trying to find, do you remember at the home run derby when Albert Pujols gave uh, Jacques Peterson's little brother, he has a little brother with special mm-hmm. needs. He gave him like a bear hug. Actually it's his older yeah. brother, right? Uh, I think it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He gave him like a big bear hug. Um, after, after the home run derby, I think after Jacques Peterson beat him, uh, I was trying to find that uh, just because it's such like a feel good video. And, you know, I wanted to watch something that would make me feel good. And I, I couldn't find it anywhere. Uh, I, I think they eventually put it back online. But just the way baseball guards this stuff 
and how contrary yep. that runs to the way people use the internet now, I think is a huge mistake on baseball's part. And frankly, it's really annoying <laughs> for, <laughs> for people like us who, you know, at least every once in a while try to do things online with baseball, whether it's write articles and, you know, you might want to embed some videos or maybe harken back to a video so you can try and remember what happened on an individual play. And baseball makes that very hard to do. I think why I sort of disagree or or question whether how big of an issue is, and this might, I think this is just because to me, it's always been like this. We have this idea that baseball is America's sport, but for most of my life, it's been second, if not third. I can't remember a time mm. when it was first with, you know, some a rare, rare exceptions here and there, like the McGuire and Sosa, but that was such like a crazy outlier thing. Uh, but, you know, in the 80s, to me, it was it had a backseat to both the NFL and the NBA. And the NFL has, seems to have always been the most popular sport. Uh, NBA has kind of ebbed and flowed a bit more. But the NFL, to me, has always been more popular than baseball, uh, at least in my lifetime. Like, I've, to me, Joe Montana, Jerry Rice, Walter Payton, these guys were always way more famous than whoever the most famous baseball player was at that time. And that's doubly true for basketball players like Larry Bird, Michael Jordan, uh, especially Michael Jordan, uh, Magic Johnson. Mm -hmm. um, these guys were larger than life in ways that baseball players, baseball players never were. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do, uh, I, that's an interesting point that Yelich brought up. Yeah, they play 162 times a year. And I, I think a lot of people don't realize how big of a pain in the ass it probably is to have to go do these photo shoots. I remember... Michael Jordan would always have these like videos that would come out every year, like Michael Jordan, come fly with me, uh, if, if anyone remembers these. And they would show clips from him like doing a commercial. And it was just like him jumping up and down over yeah. and over. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, God, that looks terrible. I, would, I just thought, you know, he would just show up on a video set and like dunk a basketball. And then like, you know, all right, let's walk off. Yeah, that's a wrap. <laughs> you know, we got it. Um, but yeah, these guys play all the time. Um, and it's not a sport like basketball or even football uh especially if you're an offensive player in football where where you're really involved in every play you know christian yelich comes up four times a game he's not a pitcher so he's not in, you know when he's in the field especially now with how little the ball is put into play he's not you know he's 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 not as dynamic in the field just because we don't see him as much like ozzy smith there's a chance wouldn't be as big of a deal today just because fewer opportunities you know what I mean? Like yeah. fewer balls mm -hmm. put into play. So we would see less awesome plays by Ozzy just because of, uh, we would see fewer awesome plays by Ozzy just because there would be fewer opportunities. Where I'm totally going with this, I, 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 I'm not in, entirely <laughs> positive, but I, to me, the bigger problem, and so we've noticed like Manfred and other people, they've been very proactive for better, for worse with ideas of how to like change baseball. And what usually what that means is speeding up the game. Some of the ideas I've liked, some of the ideas I've hated. I think that's pretty consistent with most people. Um, and they didn't just come up with this idea on their own. I'm guessing like Manfred and some other suit didn't just say like, you know what? Baseball games are too long. Let's shorten them. Like I'm positive they had to do this based on some sort of studies, whether it's with the younger generation or just fans in general that said, you know what? The product is too long and there's not enough action. And when going back to the point that was made earlier, when there's 162 games, you really need it to be a palatable product because there's so many games. So 
I do think baseball's biggest problem is not necessarily the branding, but the actual product itself. And while I don't think it's like a huge crisis or the biggest deal, I do think it's a bigger deal than their branding issues. Yeah, and I, I totally get that point, but <laughs> this is where we definitely disagree yeah. because here's I, this is my counterpoint, and then we can move on to other things. Um, but I here's the thing: I like baseball, right? So I don't want baseball to try to be the NBA. I don't want it to try to be the NFL. Sure, First yeah. of all, the NFL. Football games actually are longer than baseball games, but people don't talk about that, right? No, but, so, but why is that? Because there's more things happening during a football game, even with all maybe. the stupid timeouts and commercial breaks. And when, but how when many they, articles? Go ahead. And I don't mean to interrupt because I just talked for a really long time. But when when they hike the ball, an amazing, you know, that there's action that is happening, and I don't think people feel that same way with when a when a pitch is thrown. And I, I'm sorry, there I, is. But there's like six seconds of action. So it's not like it's constant action for three hours. It's like six seconds at a time. So my point, and I could be totally wrong, but maybe it's because of the industry that I work in. People believe what you tell them. (laughs) So if there were half a dozen articles written every year or every season about how the NFL is actually way too long and people don't pay enough attention. And and I don't know what the numbers are. Maybe you can't write that story because it's not true, but people are going to buy what you sell them. Mm -hmm. And if you sell them a story that says the product is bad and no one's paying attention, then people who are on the fence about whether or not they should invest in your product are not going to invest in your product. So I guess my point is instead of, Yes, baseball is slow. It's slow by design. It's not the NBA. It's not football. It's not hockey. It's not soccer because it's a different sport. And I think that my perspective is that we should, as as a, I don't know, we, as if I have anything to do with it, but baseball should be trying to sell people on what's good about baseball, not trying to tell us actually it's really bad. So we need to change it all. So if you hype up the players who are more athletic and stronger and faster and more out of this world in many respects than they've ever been before, like they're freak athletes. And that was not the case 50 years ago in baseball. So hype up those athletes. There are more athletes who are doing stuff in their communities and for their charities and have insane stories that would make people want to root for them. Tell those stories. And then tell me why the game is good. (laughs) Tell me why people enjoy watching baseball instead of constantly telling me that it's too long and it's too slow and there are too many home runs and there are too many strikeouts and there's not enough scoring. And like if, if that's all I hear all the time from a business perspective, if that's all I'm saying all the time, that's what people are going to believe. So my whole point on all of this is I think for the most part, people will buy what you sell them. And if you sell them a story that says, here's this thing that's actually bad, but you should still buy tickets, <laughs> you kind of shoot yourself in the foot. And I think that's why I, I tend to harp on it a little bit because I actually like baseball <laughs> and I want people to understand why I think baseball is good. Uh, well, Look, I I love baseball too, um, and and I agree. I don't want baseball to be like the NBA or the NFL because the game is not designed to work that way. There's no clock. 
Um, you can go to a game and expect it to last two and a half hours to four and a half hours. God forbid four and a half hours. <laughs> that said, there needs to be a world that exists where two things can be true at once. One, me saying I love baseball. And two, being able to also say, you know what? A game that consistently lasts over three hours, um, juxtaposed with the amount of action that's actually happening, um, isn't always the best. And, and it doesn't hurt to find a way to see if there are ways in the game where we can fix this. I, I think the biggest way to fix it would probably be to really enforce the batter's box, um, which yeah. you know they don't seem to be doing or whatever. But but this idea that like, and this has been going on for a couple of years now, that if you dare say like the idea that uh, yeah, you know, like I tried to take a kid to a four hour baseball game, and you know, and yeah, he hated it because um, of course he would. And you know what? Frankly, I I kind of got bored too. The idea that if you say that, like that's like some sacrilegious thing and people are like, well, I, you know, to me, I, I'd love a game the last 10 hours because I just love baseball. Like, no, that's not how it should be. Uh, yeah. You should be allowed to love baseball, but also critically say like, I do think there are ways that the sport could be more amenable to um all fans, but especially younger fans, uh, because, and, and I, I hate to talk like this because I, I hear people talk this way all the time, but like the younger generation and their attention spans, you know, um, but that really could be a thing with baseball. Um, and, but I mean, that's a thing with everything, but football, like it's not a baseball thing. Yeah. I, well, it's, it's certainly, it's certainly a, a thing with everything, but baseball, how many, I, I would love to know how many, younger generation, however you define that, mm-hmm. fans watch a football game without their phone in their hand. Oh, I mean, I, I probably not many. I, I rarely watch a football game without right. a phone in so my hand. So it's not just a baseball thing where people are looking for a distraction. No. I think you're right, though. There, there are plenty of ways to improve the game, and yeah, that's and not a problem. No, but- no if, if, if we're going to say that like baseball, Manfred, all these people, they're being too transparent with what they're trying to do to fix the game, and that's giving the impression that um, they think there's something drastically wrong with the game. I, I think there might be a decent point there in terms of how their messaging is getting across. In, in spite of what I just said, yeah, baseball has a ton to sell, a ton to offer. I, I agree with everything you said earlier in terms of like they should be telling these great stories to the extent that whether or not, I don't even know if that's I, I, I feel like I do hear these stories. Like So I, I feel like we over-exaggerate how little baseball sells itself because I feel like they do do a decent job of, of saying like of, of do telling these stories especially with like a lot of the new younger um, Latino players I feel like they've done at least a better job the last couple of years really selling these these young exciting players and and the idea that like I saw all these people complaining like during the Super Bowl like come on baseball have a have something that says all right we're up next like and maybe I just don't understand the power of branding or advertising, but is there really anyone watching the Super Bowl? And then a commercial for Major League Baseball pops up and they go, oh, baseball. That's right. That's also a sport. And what's this? It starts in six, seven weeks. Like, all right, I'm interested. I'll, I'll watch. Like, is that really I mean, is that really how people's brains are working? Isn't that what all commercials are supposed to do? I mean, to an extent, yes, but... Um, like, have you actually gone to buy Pepsi because you saw it on a commercial? I hate Pepsi. 
So I, no, I, you I, haven't. But you can probably remember a Pepsi commercial at some point in your sure, life, right? Sure, sure. Like definitely advertising, um, it wouldn't exist if it didn't work. And I, I actually read something that Super Bowl commercials, while they probably they don't work as well as the money um, that's paid for them, right. they actually work better than people realize. That said, I just don't know if if baseball needs to be almost like saying like these like little ten like baseball to me is in a very stable place. Um, I shouldn't say very stable because I do think like you know when I talk about the pace of play and that there could be issues on the horizon, and I think the product again. I want to stress I love baseball. I don't think it's a crisis, but I do think the product could be better at times. All that said, I do think it's in a pretty stable place and they don't need to be constantly like saying like, I don't know, it almost looks like they're conceding themselves. They're conceding that they're seconds of football if they're doing these little like, uh, hey, like during football's biggest stage saying like, oh, don't forget about us too. Like, I don't know. I, maybe, and believe me, this is all personal preference. Um, I'm not someone who knows anything about the numbers or the figures or, or what moves the needle with this stuff because this is not my industry or profession or my interest e- even. So it's mostly personal preference. I just don't – I just think it gets exaggerated, baseball's lack of branding and, and such. Yeah, I, and, and that's – Certainly a possibility. It obviously is something that I care about in general, so I'm more aware of it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also think, like, for me, it all comes back to the messaging. Like you said, baseball itself talks about how people are losing interest and then doesn't seem to me to counter that with ways to create new interest, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, outside of the postseason. I mean, postseason rolls around and there are ads all over the place and they do a good job with it. The last couple of years, the, the choices they've made with that have been awesome and people talk about it and all of a sudden they know about Juan Soto and they know about Mookie Betts and they know about Cody Bellinger and they know about, um, Christian Yelich and and it just seems like for an industry for a business that's constantly to me constantly saying oh we're losing fans it seems like there are plenty of opportunities to to try to counteract that but you're right it's it's mostly personal preference I think that um, the way other sports do what they do colors it a little bit and and maybe they're better at it because the the product is a little easier to sell. It's a little easier to digest because it's not, um, you know, every day for six months. So uh, who knows? Who knows? We'll we'll see what baseball does as they continue to try to figure out how to make their players superstars, like Christian Yelich said. Who would be the most famous baseball player in our lifetime? Um, me being a, uh, a little bit older than you, but would it, would it be Griffey or Jeter? We've got to be one of those two guys, right? Yeah, probably. And I feel like Griffey is probably, I mean, if you want to want somebody who sort of like transcends the sport and is a, a pop culture icon, either of them probably. But but to me, I feel like Griffey is one of those guys that even people who aren't diehard baseball people will have something to say about. They Especially just the name, like Ken Griffey right. Jr., like that name everyone immediately associates with baseball. And I would say Derek Jeter was probably a 
very, very, very famous person for a longer time than Griffey. But at Griffey's peak, he was probably maybe even more famous than Jeter, although that could be, I could be totally wrong given the fact that Jeter played in New York and won World Series yeah. titles and all that stuff. But I, I feel like, I'm, I'm curious where then they would rank with like the most famous uh, basketball players, football players who were playing at the same time as them. Cause you know, Griffey was around the same time as Michael Jordan and he wasn't as famous as Michael Jordan, but then again, no one was as like, there's a chance Michael Jordan was the most famous person in the world, uh, like right. 1992, 1993. He, yeah. he was that famous. Um, but, but I also felt like, I don't know. I, I'm just rambling, but I feel I feel as though the big stars in the NFL were maybe even a little more famous. I don't know. It's interesting. Uh, who's the most famous baseball player now? Harper. <laughs> it's not the best baseball player. That's in the probably game. not Trout. No, but um, Harper. Probably Harper. Who else would? I mean, wasn't there some something about when uh, the the jersey sales when? Harper signed with Philly. I think there was some, you know, dramatic and ticket sales went up too. Like that's the thing. If you have a star that is marketed well, it does actually matter. We talked about that with Bryce Harper last off season that like, if you're worried about Mm -hmm. the impact or the cost of a Bryce Harper, you're probably going to offset some of that just by the interest that people have. Now it didn't necessarily work out in, you know, creating an instant world series for um, that city, but, there's definitely an uptick in the interest if people know this guy's supposed to be a superstar. And for the casual fan, like I said, they're not going to know every detail. They're going to know what you tell them or what you sell them. So yeah, Bryce Harper probably is one of, if not the most popular at the moment. I, I think, th- I think to some degree, I feel like Alex Bregman was really making a push for that. Really? But he's done a ton of, with like young, young fans, because he's done a ton of, I mean, he's got a YouTube channel and he does almost daily content, weekly content. He does stuff on Instagram. He's on Twitter. He's all over the place. And he's got this like very cool, hip, young thing going on. And that's... Yeah, but that's, I mean, that's what, those are the players that are reaching young fans, right? And they're doing it by creating their own brand and making themselves more than just a guy who plays baseball. But it takes time. It takes a ton of effort. Jack Flaherty is starting to do some of that to, you know, sort of circle this back to the Cardinals at some point before we wrap things up tonight. But it's, um, I mean, sort of every man for himself and, I, I don't know that there are a ton of we didn't even get to this point, but I was thinking about this earlier and wondering there are not a ton of baseball players who have the personality of Bryce Harper or who have the bravado of Alex Bregman or who have, you know, whatever it is that makes uh, LeBron LeBron or, you know, they don't have the 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 big in your face. I'm going to be the greatest in the world personalities. And I wonder if that's, a baseball thing <laughs> in part and that's why it's hard to get guys to to try to sell their own selves as a, a part of the baseball brand so, i do think it's kind of a baseball thing and i'll tell you why like in basketball you can be like you know what i'm going to be the man i'm going to put this team on my back and i'm going to let everyone 
in this arena see that I'm the best player here um, because every time you go up the, up the court, I'm going to do something awesome. You can't really do that in baseball. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, a, a dominant pitching performance is really the closest thing that can come to it. Right. Um, but so I, I do wonder if it's a, just the sport itself doesn't lend itself to having that sort of in your face. And I, I don't mean that in a bad way, but ha- having that no, sort yeah. of like, you know, just like, wow, you know, you can't escape this guy. It seems like every play he's involved in something like that's just not how baseball works. I also wonder if one of baseball's biggest problems is the fact that it has such a glorious past. Mm. Um, and that's, it's constantly comp- kind of like the Cardinals. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and it's constantly competing against what it once was to some people, yeah. which is there was a time when baseball was easily the most popular sport in this country. It was, you know, America's game or, or whatever. We've seen all those Ken Burns documentaries. It's, one of the oldest organized sports in this country, especially, uh, you know, certainly at the professional level and the world series used to be the whole family would stop what they're doing and watch the world series or listen to the world series. Um, and it's not like that anymore, but partly because nothing's like that anymore. Uh, yeah. Craig Edwards, I want to say a little over a year ago, maybe during the 2018 world series wrote a very good article um, and this is something I've been kind of screaming about for years, although not as well as he made the case for in this article, but talked about how like, yeah, World Series ratings are down for the same reason like the Tonight Show ratings are down and for right. the reason the ratings for the Olympics are down. It's like we don't live in this sort of culture anymore where everyone watches the exact same thing all the time. You know, whatever the primetime sitcom on NBC on Thursday night is not getting the same ratings that Friends and Seinfeld did. Uh, yep. The Super Bowl is really the last thing that we all sit down and watch, you know, like, like where, yeah. where you can count on every single person, almost every single person doing something for the Super Bowl, or at least knowing that it exists. Like, mm-hmm. it's very hard to find someone who, who says, I'm not watching the Super Bowl. Uh, and they, in friend the world, of the podcast, Daniel Shopta yeah, is the I, one person. I, I, I heard him say, <laughs> yeah, I heard him say that. Uh, but but he knows it's there. Yes, um, yes. And I feel like the world begrudgingly. Yeah, I feel like the World <laughs> Series used to be like that um, yeah. a, a long time ago. Uh, but it used to be like that, and it's not like that anymore because just that's just the way the world works. Um, it's easier for a football game to be like that because there's only sixteen of them, and you only have to. You, it's only a commitment on one day, the Super Bowl versus, yeah. you know, a whole playoff, uh, you know, a potential seven games. Uh, so, yeah, I do sometimes just think baseball is a victim of its own uh, just successful past as well. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also a, a game, a sport more than many others that's quite resistant to change. Mm-hmm. So, you know, whether it's actually changing the rules of the game, which people talk a lot about how much baseball changes like I'm pretty sure the NFL changes what is actually a catch every single year so (laughs) baseball is not the only one that makes weird changes to their to their rules on a fairly consistent basis but in general I mean sort of the tradition and the history and the legacy and the culture those are all things that people are super resistant to seeing change and in many ways that's how you get this keep your nose clean stay quiet play the game the right way sort of personality that doesn't want to do any of the the rest of 
what it takes now to kind of make yourself known. Christian Yelich, back to that article. The last thing I'll say, I mm-hmm. feel like we went way longer on this than we than we planned. But this was been this has been an interesting conversation. So I hope you're all enjoying it. Um, in in the article, he was quoted as saying that part of the problem for baseball players is that we have all said this in some sort of cliche way, but it's a game of failure, not necessarily a game. You know, if you have a good day in baseball, you still failed a lot. <laughs> Whereas in basketball or in football or whatever it is, you know, you you typically aren't winning if you're failing seven out of 10 times. And, you know, all the cliches come into play there. But his point was, it's hard for guys to sort of hype themselves up as the greatest of all time when that's the reality of the the daily grind for them. And, you know, it comes back to the idea that baseball is different. It's always going to be different. You have to promote it differently or embrace it for what it is, not for what it isn't. And I don't know. I don't know if there really is a better way for baseball to do that, if there really is a better way for players to do that. But if there's not, then they kind of need, my opinion is that they kind of need to just own it <laughs> and and be the thing that's different and old school and stop telling us all that it's actually bad. Well, that's all I have to say. <laughs> let's let's say they do own it um, and that baseball is just almost perpetually relegated to this spot where it's like the third most popular sport in this country after football and the NBA. But it's still like, you know, still pretty popular, especially regionally, right. as we've seen. Is that the worst thing in the world? No. It's not, right? It's still it's still in very good shape. And I, I think that's my was always my larger point. Um, and and I, I totally agree with a lot of what you just said as well, by the way. But I, I think, I, I don't I, I don't need to repeat what I said earlier. I, I just think baseball is in still in a decent spot. And that if it is not as popular as the NFL or not as popular as the NBA, that's not the worst thing in the world. Sure. Yeah, I I can totally agree with that. Let us know your thoughts on this because I thought I didn't have that much left to say and (laughs) turns out, (laughs) turns out I did. So um, let us know what you think about the way that major league baseball sells itself to its current fan base, as well as to what it would like to believe could be its, its future fan base as well. Alex, there were plenty of other things on the list that we were considering talking about tonight. The, uh, the, the big Red Sox trade sort of took the uh, wind out of our sails a little bit as far as actual other baseball news, but um, and at the moment, I'm looking at yeah, Twitter to see if anything else has happened. It's going to take me a minute. We, we haven't <laughs> traded Jack Flaherty yet, have we? I, f- I feel like I would have gotten uh, <laughs> uh, gotten blown up if, if that had happened. But That's good. in light of that, while I try to see if there's any Red Sox news, do you have a trip of the week? I do. And, you know... Um, to give a peek behind the curtain, usually I tell you what the chirp of the week's going to be about. <laughs> and I, I didn't do that this time. Uh, not for any reason. I just forgot to. So uh, you'll just have to riff on your own if you have any All thoughts right. on what I'm about to say. Believe me, it is not going to be that profound. Um, but we are entering the year 2020. That is an even year. Um, and 
I was looking at the Cardinals World Series titles. They have 11, of course, and they have won eight World Series titles in even years. And uh, simple math will tell you that they've won three in odd years. Um, For pennants, they have won 12 of their pennants in even years and seven of their 19 pennants in odd years. So I guess we can be happy that it's an even year. They've had more success on a large, on the uh, grand stage in even years. Um, But I wanted to even break it down more than that. Like I said, we're entering uh, the year 2020. Um, In years that end with zero, the Cardinals have won no World Series titles. Um, In in years that end with one, they have won two. That's in 1931 and 2011. Um, in years that end with two, uh, yes, this is what we're doing, by the way. We're just counting down. Uh, in years that end with two, they've won two World Series titles. That's 1942 and 1982. Years that end with three, no World Series titles. Uh, years that end in four, they've won three, uh, 1934, 1944, and 1964. Years that end in five, nothing. Uh, years that end in six, they've won three, 1926, 1946, and 2006. In years that end in seven, they've won one World Series title. That's in 1967. And no World Series titles in any year that's ended in eight or nine. So the good World Series years have always been years that ended in four or six, where they've won six of their 11 titles. Uh, Pennants, years that end in zero. One pennant, 1930. Years that end in two. I'm sorry, years that end in one, two pennants, uh, 1931 and 2011. Years that end in two, two pennants, 1942, 1982. Years that end in three, two pennants, 1943, 2013. Years that end in four, four pennants, 1934, 1944, 1964, and 2004. So years that end in four, very kind to us. Mm-hmm. Years that end in five, one pennant, 1985. Uh, dang you, Dankinger. Uh, years that end in six, three pennants, 1926, 1946, 2006. Years that end in seven, 19, uh, there are two, 1967 and 1987, two pennants, one. Years that end in eight, again, two pennants, one, 1928 and 1968. So they have won a pennant in every single uh, <laughs> year. But for years that end in nine, no pennants won. <laughs> so last year, we didn't even realize it. At least I didn't realize it, Tara. But we were on the cusp when they entered their series with the Nationals. Uh, the Cardinals were on the cusp of winning their first pennant in a year that ended in the number nine. But, of course, they were swept uh, quite easily, mind you. And they were not able to get there. So... We don't even have this chance again until 1929. Uh, I don't know how our farm system looks. Uh, we probably can't. Where's, I can ask where's Kyle? Kyle? Yeah, I, how, how's the team looking in 1929? I don't know. Do you like our chances to win the pennant, at least win a pennant in 1929? I, I think I, they're I, as good as they ever were. <laughs> well, I, I also think that uh, now we know what to blame the NLCS disaster on it's clearly some sort of curse uh, in, on years that end in nine. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I, well, I hope they can do it in 1929 because otherwise then we're going to have to wait till 1939. And that seems like a very long time from now. Uh, <laughs> or maybe we won't have to wait for this at all because no one really cares about this. Um, but yeah, uh, years that end in four have been very kind to of the Cardinals. They've won some world series titles and they've won several pennants and uh, yeah. 
that is this, this uh, week's trip of the week. Do you have anything else to add on that? Any any surprises? Um. No, I mean I had no no expectations, so there's no <laughs> there's no surprise. But I will say I am a big fan of mostly Ill- irrelevant uh, <laughs> sortable stats, like Tuesday games that start at three oh five. What's the right you know, that sort of thing? Mm-hmm. So I'm a I'm a big fan of mostly irrelevant but still fascinating stats. So there you go. Well, that's typically what I'm here for with this trip uh, <laughs> of the week. So I will keep trying to provide more irrelevant, pointless, and stats that help no one. Um, Until you're in a conversation month. and you can be like, you know, <laughs> you know what number is really good for the Cardinals? It's, it's four. Well, yeah, that is. <laughs> and another good way of looking at it is we don't have to even worry about a year that ends in nine for a long time. Um, instead, of, instead of saying like, shoot, we missed our opportunity, we can say it's in our rear the view. The odds go way yeah, up now. Yeah, we don't even yeah. have to worry about a year that ends in nine for uh, 10 years. So let's uh, live it up. <laughs> See, <laughs> let's live it, it up just, in the meantime. People will believe what you tell them, Alex. <laughs> so you just got to tell them it's a good thing. <laughs> Good point. All right. So that will do it for us at this point. It looks like no additional news has broken on the Red Sox, Dodgers, Twins, Angels front. So we'll see what happens by morning when you all hear this. But as of this moment, that is the the biggest trade so far of the offseason. I'm curious to see how other pieces fall around this. We'll maybe talk about that next week or we'll just kind of get back to all the other things we didn't talk about this week. Make sure that you're following us both on Twitter. I'm at Tara Wellman. He's at AlexCard79. Let us know your thoughts on the entire concept of this whole episode, mostly. Uh, you can talk about the trade. You can talk about how baseball does or doesn't market itself appropriately and what the difference is between baseball and other major sports. Or you can just say hello, because we like that as well. Make sure that you're following Birds on the Black on whatever your favorite podcast listening service is. That's where you can find us every week, which you obviously know because you're here. I think that's everything. So for Alex, I'm Tara. We'll talk to you next time.